listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. All right, nine types of prayer uh, that will change your life forever is what we're dealing with today. And uh, this is definitely something I want you to take notes on, as you normally do. And then, of course, put these in uh, the comments section for those that are coming on later. Welcome to everybody that's listening on the podcast, on any uh, podcast platform you're listening on. Um, Take notes where you're at. These will help you. But I'm going to list and teach on, um, briefly, each of these nine types of prayer that will literally change your life forever. Take a minute to share the broadcast. Uh, Prayer number one, or the type of prayer, the first type of prayer we're going to deal with, obviously, is what we would refer to as the prayer of repentance. Number one is the prayer of repentance. Um... The reason for that is because uh, the only type of prayer that God will hear from a sinner is the prayer of repentance. So just to be able to get into the kingdom of God, obviously, um, we have to not only repent of sin, uh, but we have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And so that is what we would refer to as the prayer of salvation or the prayer of repentance. It's got to be number one, because in order to uh, be heard by God, if we're going to list any of these other eight that we're going to deal with today, in order to be heard by God, you have to be a child of God. And there's scripture for that, by the way. Not only did uh, David say that in the Psalms, he said, if I had regarded iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not hear me. If I had iniquity in my heart or sin in my heart, the Lord would not hear me or would not have heard me. But um, I want you to look with me for this prayer of repentance at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 12. This is the scripture that I want to show you um, that reinforces this thought that the only thing that the Lord hears are the prayers of the righteous, but from the sinner, he hears the prayer of repentance. And so I'm in first Peter three twelve, and Peter writes this for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Listen to this. And his ears are open to their prayer, but The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You see that? So 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12 is letting us know that God is not only watching over the righteous, but his ears are open to their prayers. He is hearing their prayers as they pray. But for those that are the wicked, if you would, uh, you know, categorize the sinner, the wicked, uh, those that are wicked... His face is turned against them. God's not listening for their prayers. He's turned his face against them. And so that's why I say that the very first prayer 
that needs to be prayed and the type of prayer that will change your life forever, obviously, is the prayer of repentance. And coming into the kingdom of God puts you in position to have your prayers heard by God. And so you've got to, number one, uh, become a child of God. And that's, that's the first type of prayer, the prayer of repentance. It's so amazing to me, by the way, how many people I'll, I'll hear talking or will talk to them personally. And, you know, you know, they're not even a Christian. You know, they don't claim to live for God and they don't claim and they don't, they don't do anything that the Bible describes uh, as something that would, that would show that you live for God. Acts of righteousness, if you will. They don't do any of that. They don't go to church. They don't read their Bible. You know, they live however they want. They're, they're not a Christian. They don't claim to be Christians. But you'll hear people that'll talk to you and be like, I'm praying for you, brother. It's like, dude, you're praying for me. You're not even a child of God. Who are you praying to? You know, it's like, God's not listening to your prayer. God's not hearing your prayer. His face is against those who do evil. But his ears and his eyes are open to the righteous. You know, it's like people get into trouble, you know, and they don't serve God or whatever. And people get into trouble and they, they start, you know, you hear them talk. All we can do is pray, brother. All we can do is pray. It's like, pray? Who are you going to pray to? And who's going to hear those prayers? God's eyes and ears are open to the righteous. He's hearing their prayers. But his face is against the wicked. And those are obviously the ones that have not received Christ. And so number one, the prayer of repentance has to be the foundation. Uh, first prayer that you've prayed to bring you into the kingdom of God. Number two, the second type of prayer that will change your life forever uh, is the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. The prayer of praise and thanksgiving. And so I want you to look with me, obviously, in uh, the book of Acts. Um, chapter 16. It's the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. It's amazing the power that thanksgiving has. It's amazing the power that praise has. If you've heard me uh, talk about it at length, you've probably heard me mention the quote by Bishop David Oyedepo regarding praise, where he said that um, you know, God only answers our prayers, but he lives in our praise. So number two is the prayer of praise and thanksgiving that you can literally like Hezekiah did. And like they did in Acts chapter uh, 16 that I'm going to read to you in a moment. You can, in your time of prayer with God, in the midst of those prayers, you can praise and give thanksgiving in those prayers. We call it the prayer of praise and thanksgiving the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. Um, and so you can see that in the midst of your communion with God, in the midst of you talking to God, as Hezekiah did when he was being surrounded by his enemies, you can begin to praise God in your prayer and give thanks to him for his goodness and his mercy. And the reason that I have this kind of listed at the forefront after repentance is because if you've read anything that I've written, maybe my book on fasting and prayer, uh, maybe the devotional, we talk about how God has a system or a way in coming into his presence. And we've read it in the Bible. We come into his gates with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with praise.
praise. And so as we approach God, that's how we approach him. We approach him by thanksgiving and praise. And so uh, this prayer of praise and thanksgiving, that in the midst of threats, in the midst of harassment, in the midst of literally mortal danger, Hezekiah begins to praise God in his prayer time for God's greatness and his power and his authority. And he begins to give him thanks for who he is. And do you know God's response to Hezekiah's prayer is that he sent an angel to wipe out all of his enemies and the enemies of Judah that were going to be destroyed by uh, King Sennacherib and his, and his army. And just through praise and thanksgiving, God responded in power and sent an angel to destroy all of their enemies. And we can see that the prayer of praise and thanksgiving truly will activate God's power. You know, I'm thinking about in the Old Testament, or excuse me, in the Gospels, when Jesus was uh, approached by 10 lepers, you know the story. And he said, now go and show yourself to the high priest, as was the, the law of Moses, the custom of the law of Moses. The high priest was the one who could declare you clean from leprosy. So they start to go, and the Bible says, as they're on their way, they were cleansed of their leprosy. But one of those men returned to give thanks and praise to Jesus for what had taken place. And I was studying this, and here comes this man back to Jesus and begins to thank him, give him praise. And Jesus said, were there not 10? You know, what happened to the other nine? And the man didn't answer that question. He just kept thanking and praising Christ. And Jesus said to him, go your way for your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. And uh, even commentaries, scholars agree, something that this man got additionally to what the other nine got. All 10 were cleansed of their leprosy, but this man seemed to receive something from Jesus. Could it be? I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us, but could it be that he received restoration of maybe his body parts that were missing because leprosy had eaten them away? Maybe he received restoration. Jesus did say, your faith has made you whole. Now he'd already been cleansed of his leprosy but now he's whole. And so uh, you start to understand this man received an additional blessing that was provoked from the presence of God through thanksgiving and praise. He returned to thank God and to give him praise and it provoked another blessing into his life. That will always happen. As we pray prayers of thanksgiving and praise, it provokes the power of God. And the Bible says God inhabits the praises of Israel. That's Psalm 22, three, God inhabits the praises of Israel. So as we thank and praise God, it will provoke his power and things begin to change. Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, the Bible says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. See, they were praying and they were praising. They were praying and they were worshiping and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly 
there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened. And the Bible says everyone's bonds were unfastened, their chains broke off. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And of course, you know the rest of the story. Paul said, we're still here. Don't harm yourself. And then they get the, he and his whole household are saved through this miracle. So notice this, even though they were in the inner dungeon, chained up, they'd been beaten. They were probably scheduled for some sort of execution at some point. And here, through the prayer of praise and thanksgiving, it broke not only their chains off, but everyone's chains off. And it didn't just open their door, it opened everybody's doors. And that's why I always encourage people that don't just think that the praise and the thanksgiving that you're uh, releasing to God are just for you. Don't think that that's the case. You might be praising and the effects will come upon somebody else that you love. What if your children are affected by praise and thanksgiving? What if your husband or wife is affected by your praise and thanksgiving? And so when we do it, it provokes God's power and it's the quickest access into his presence. It's the quickest access into his presence. That's number two. Number three is something that we would call the prayer of consecration. I want you to put that uh, into, the, into the comments. The prayer of consecration. This is, this is a very mature prayer for any believer to pray. And by the way, if you're just jumping on, uh, share the broadcast. Get this to somebody. This is a very mature prayer to pray because this, this, is a, this is the most unselfish prayer that you could ever pray in your entire life, the prayer of consecration. It's really a prayer of humility and meekness. And it is, it is you saying to God, Lord, whatever you want me to do with my life, I'll do it. That's truly the prayer of consecration. Lord, whatever you want me to do with my life, it's you giving yourself to God. It is you, that word consecrate, uh, to be set apart as holy unto God. To be set apart as holy unto God. It's, it's you saying, Lord, my life is reserved for you. My life is reserved for you. I, I am set apart for your purpose, Lord. I am set apart for your plan, for your agenda. It's the prayer of consecration. And it's, it's truly the most humbling thing you could ever do to say, Lord, whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I am yours. I'm your servant. You know, I think it would be very helpful for people uh, to understand their identity as Paul taught it. Hey, Caitlin, because Paul, uh, you know, and we are children of God, right? I'm a child of God. Yes, I understand that. I am part of his family. I am part of his, uh, his lineage, if you will. So the blessings are available to me. The, um, 
inheritance is available to you and to me. I get all that. And we've heard a lot of teaching on being a part of the family of God. We've heard a lot of teaching on being children of God. We sing songs. I am a child of God. We know all those songs. We've got that in our mind, right? But something that I really believe that we need to hear more teaching on, really, and be built in our spirits on another aspect of who we are in Christ, is it would be so helpful to people to know that I'm not just a child of God, I am a servant of God. I'm a servant of God. We, we should hear much more teaching on that. Uh, Paul said it this way, I'm a slave of God, a slave of Christ Jesus. The word for slave uh, in the Greek language is the word doulos, which it doesn't mean like someone that's been wrongly enslaved necessarily. It is the same word that is used for someone who was a bond servant. And a bond servant is someone who even after they worked in slavery or servanthood, servitude, to pay off their debts, even after their debts were paid, they ended up loving the family they were with so much that they made a decision to continue to serve that family for the rest of their life. That's what a bond servant was, a doulos in the Greek language. And did you know that there were even um, uh, steps they would take? There was a, almost a ritual, a tradition that uh, when someone did decide to do that, they would take them outside of the home and they would drive like a small nail through the ear, like a earring into, from the, from the ear into the door, the front door of the home. And it was a sign that now you are connected to this house and you're brought in uh, forever as a bond servant. It's different than a, someone who's wrongly enslaved. Someone who chooses to attach themselves to a home and to serve that home. Paul understood as the greatest apostle who ever lived, touched, you know, literally the world, turned the world up, upside down. God used him to write the majority of the New Testament. Paul understood, I'm not just a child of God. I am a servant of God. This is part of the prayer of consecration. I'm not just his child. I'm his servant. I'm his slave. I'm his bond servant. And that's so important to understand that yes, though we're his children, we still, we still are searching for commands to obey. Now we have the written commands of his word, but on top of that, uh, we have the words that he speaks to us for our lives. So we, uh, we talk about the prayer of consecration as number three. That's us saying, God, I'm your servant. I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's why we don't teach our children. When you grow up, you can be anything you want to be. We don't teach them that. We teach them when you grow up, you've got to be who God called you to be. You've got to be who he created you to be. It's not our choice. If we are part of his family, then we have to carry out his plans and his purpose. I don't teach the children, just go be whatever you want to be. No, pray, consecrate your life to Christ and then find out what does he want you to be? What does he want you to be? And that's the prayer of consecration. Here in Matthew 26, Jesus is praying the prayer of consecration. And Jesus says this, uh, 
Verse 39, this is Matthew 26, 39. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed. My father, if it, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now he knew his crucifixion was coming. And who wants to go through crucifixion? Nobody. Nobody's flesh wants to deal with torture. And he said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Now, now here, here comes the prayer of consecration. You ready? But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So not my will be done. Lord, your will be done. Not my will be done, but your will be done. That's the prayer of consecration. Lord, not me. I'm not first. You're first. What do you want me to do? Well, there's blessings attached to the prayer of consecration, right? There's blessings attached to consecration itself. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things will just be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. That's consecration. My first priority, the kingdom. My first priority, his righteousness. Not my will, his will. And then the blessing comes. So number three, what we're talking about, the third type of prayer that will change your life forever is the prayer of consecration. Is saying, God, I want to do what you want. Do you know the kind of blessing that follows that? And not just blessing, do you know the type of fulfillment that follows consecration? The type of fulfillment, knowing I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do with my life. I'm in the middle of the will of God. I'm in the middle of his purpose. I'm in the middle of his grace and his glory. I mean, that, there's no more fulfilling feeling than that. And it only comes through consecration. Now look, number four, I tie this closely with the prayer of consecration. And that is number four, it, I'm calling it this. I don't know if I've ever heard it called this, but I'm calling it this for our purpose. What we're calling the prayer of inquiry. The prayer of inquiry. Put that in the, in the comments. the prayer of inquiry. And in some ways, it's attached to the prayer of consecration. Well, you say, what is it? That is when we're inquiring of the Lord for supernatural direction. Inquiring of the Lord for supernatural direction. Being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. And so, we see this in the Old and the New Testament. It's amazing that even in the Old Testament, there was still a prophetic ability to be led by God's Spirit. Though you couldn't get it on your own, you had to receive it through the word of a prophet. A prophet had to speak and give you the word of God. And then you could follow the prophetic word and be led by the Spirit in that way. In the New Testament, we're not led by prophets, but we're led by the Spirit. In the New Testament, the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 8, 
And verse 14, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So we have the ability to be led by the Spirit directly. Doesn't mean we no longer need prophets or apostles or evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We still need them very much. It's just that now, as we are uh, new creatures in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit can live in us permanently. He can permanently reside in every Christian. And so now that we have that ability, we can be led by the Spirit at any given moment. And that's why what we're talking about as the prayer of inquiry, number four, the prayer of inquiry is us praying to God and asking the Lord to guide us. Asking him to lead us. Now look, look at it in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And of course, as I told you, nobody could just get a word from God. But the reason David could is because David was a prophet. King David was a prophet. He was a prophet, he was a priest, and he was a king. He held all three of those offices in the Old Testament. He was a prophet, he was a priest, and he was a king. So the reason that David could get a word from the Lord in the way that he did is because he stood in that prophetic office. And we understand in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, the background is that raiders had come uh, and taken not only David's wife and children, but his men took their wives, took their children, and left. And I'll read it to you starting in verse 1. 1 Samuel 30 and verse 1. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag and had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. And they wept until they had no more strength to weep. And now his men start to talk about stoning him. And David was greatly distressed. And look at this. Uh, the Bible says David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Verse 7 is interesting. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So he brought David the ephod. And David inquired of the Lord. See, there's the inquiry. There's the inquiry. David inquired of the Lord. Should I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and surely you will rescue. So David set out. And I'll stop there. So David set out. Get this. David, though he was a man of war, though he commanded a battalion of mighty men, he did not just launch out to do something without the leading of the Lord, even though his family was involved, even though their families were involved. David didn't just say, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. He said, no, let me first inquire of the Lord. Why? I need the Lord's help. I need the Lord's assistance. I need his power. And so I don't want to do something that God is not involved with. I don't want to do something that God's not involved with. That's why we need the prayer of inquiry. And I've shared with you on the broadcast at different times where the prayer of inquiry changed the direction of my life. 
changed the whole path of my life. It changed, as I've told you before, what Bible school I attended, which changed everything. Changed who I was connected to, changed who I met, changed what I heard, changed what I learned, changed the impartation I received, changed the whole trajectory of my life. The prayer of inquiry changed what I did in ministry right out of Bible school. The prayer of inquiry changed, um, you know, it, it literally brought me to my wife. The prayer of inquiry uh, changed where I lived. It's changed the type of ministry that I did. I mean, everything by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And how do we receive that? Well, God will speak to us, but the prayer of inquiry is us saying, Lord, uh, speak to me. A lot of times we'll do this with fasting and prayer. You know, we did at the beginning of the year, 21 days of fasting and prayer. And many times in fasting and prayer, the Lord will speak to us regarding decisions in our lives. And that those prayers that we're praying that allow God to speak to us will cause us to be led by the Spirit. And then what happens? Well, the blessing of God is always at the end of the leading. He's the Lord our God that teaches us to profit, leads us in the way that we should go. So as we're led by the Holy Spirit, He's leading us into blessing. He's leading us into His favor and His grace. That's why it's so powerful to be led by the Holy Ghost is God's never going to lead you to a place where you diminish or are destroyed. He leads you to a place where you increase and are blessed and make an impact. And that's why the prayer of inquiry for every believer. In fact, if I could, if I could encourage, especially young believers to really dive into prayer, two of the areas where I would strongly encourage young believers to become proficient is the prayer of consecration and the prayer of inquiry to be led by the spirit. So many young people are like, man, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what I'm supposed to major in in college. I don't know who I, I don't know where I'm supposed to live. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And they're wandering. They're wandering through life because they don't know. You know how many people we've dealt with messages that have come in Lord, pray that the Lord will show me what I'm supposed to do. Pray that the Lord will show me where I'm supposed to go. Pray that the Lord will give me wisdom about the future of my life. They don't know. They're wandering. They're wandering through life. And it's so important, so vitally important that we learn what it is the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And we can get that through the prayer of inquiry. Number four or excuse me, number five, the fifth type of prayer that will change your life is the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith. And we see that term used in the book of James chapter five. Number five is the prayer of faith. And let me read to you from James chapter five, and I'll start in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick 
and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So let me break this down now on the prayer of faith. Because number five is the prayer of faith. I also find it interesting, don't you, that for all those that would love to argue that when some, a lot of, sometimes when someone is sick, it's because the Lord has sent that sickness to teach them a lesson or sent that sickness to judge them or whatever it might be. If that's the case, why would James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, say, if anyone among you is sick, let him just call for the elders of the church. They'll pray for him and anoint him with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. If God did it, why would the elders pray against what God did? Did you ever think about that? Why would the elders of the church work against God's plans? And there's no qualifying phrases here that, is there any sick among you? Well, if it's a sickness God didn't bring, then call for the elders of the church. Or call for the elders of the church unless you know you're under the judgment of God. No, that's, there are no qualifiers. He just said, if you're sick, that's a problem. Call for the elders, they'll pray for you, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. So under, understand this with me today. The prayer of faith has power to deliver. The prayer of faith contains power to deliver. And we know that every Christian is called to lay their hands upon the sick. Every Christian is called to minister to those that are hurting and broken. Not just, not just preachers, but every Christian is empowered by the Holy Ghost to pray for those that are broken, that are hurting, that are sick. And the Bible says that those who are believers in Christ will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. The prayer of faith brings deliverance and healing. Did you know you can pray the prayer of faith over yourself? What's to stop you from laying hands on your own head? <laughs> What's to stop you from ministering to yourself? You should. You should. Lay hands on your own body and pray the prayer of faith. Command sickness to let, let you go, to leave your body, to stop harassing you immediately. The prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith brings healing and deliverance. And many times, before we, uh, you know, use God as a last resort, we've tried everything else. We've tried every medication. We've tried every doctor. We've tried, I said, well, because you ever heard people say this, all we can do now is pray, as though prayer is the last resort. Prayer is the first resort for the believer. It's plan A for the believer. The prayer of faith that we have access to, the prayer of faith, and we can, we can see it at work through the whole New Testament, that the prayer of faith begins to bring deliverance, begins, begins to bring healing. And every one of us is empowered to pray the prayer of faith. One of the things that's important to recognize is that uh, we got to continue to build our faith, continue to build your faith. How? How are we doing that? Build your faith through the hearing of God's word. Your faith is being built as you're listening on this broadcast today. Build your faith by hearing God's word. That's the prayer of faith. Number six, I love this. Number six is spirit prayer. 
Number six, spirit prayer or prayer in the Holy Ghost. Praying in tongues. That's the sixth type of prayer that will change your life. Pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit. That's number six. And Paul said, multiple things happen when you pray in the Holy Ghost. Number one, you're speaking from your spirit directly to God. That's, that's A. That's what Paul said. Someone that prays in tongues is not speaking unto men, but unto God. And no man understands him. He speaks mysteries in the spirit. So you're speaking directly to God. Number, number two, when you pray in the spirit, you're encouraging yourself in the Lord. Edifying yourself in the Lord. In fact, Paul teaches that in 1 Corinthians 14. That as you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are actually edifying or encouraging yourself in the Lord. Others may not understand what you're saying, but you personally are being built up and encouraged. I've asked that on the broadcast before. How many people have prayed in the Holy Ghost and immediately you begin to feel like an encouragement, like a, a stirring, if you will. You feel that, uh, that energizing in the spirit. People raise their hand. I felt it many times. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. And then not only that, but when you pray in the spirit, according to Jude, that you build up your most holy faith. So it's like stirring up your faith for action, getting your faith ready for action, getting your faith ready for action. I've heard people try to argue against this and say, no, what the Bible's really saying, it's not saying praying in tongues. It, it's saying being pray, praying, being empowered by the spirit, like spirit strengthened prayers. And that's not true because that is not by any means what Paul was talking about in first Corinthians 14. He was dealing specifically with praying in unknown tongues that men could not understand. That's what the Bible's speaking about. It's speaking about praying in the Holy Ghost, in a heavenly language. That when you do, it not only builds you up, it not only lets you speak directly to God, but it stirs up your faith. Stirs up your faith. I know it. Nancy said, I, I got so many ideas while praying in tongues. Yeah, it opens up your spirit, man. I mean, it makes you sensitive in the Holy Ghost. You, can, you begin to hear the voice of God. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. And so uh, we pray in the Holy Ghost. We pray in the Holy Ghost. And then uh, as we pray in the Holy Ghost, it activates our spirit, man. So what are we doing? We're yielding to the Holy Spirit. That's, we are yielding to the Holy Spirit in prayer. And one of the cool things that happens when we pray in tongues is that sometimes we, we begin to pray for things that we don't know how to pray for in our own minds because the spirit is leading us in that time of spirit prayer. We might pray for things. That's what the Bible says. We, we pray for things that we don't know how we ought to pray, but we pray in the spirit. How do we know? There are things God wants prayed for that we don't even know them in our natural minds. We don't even know them in our natural minds. 
but the spirit will start leading us in prayer. And, and then all of a sudden God can use those prayers that are spirit led to accomplish things upon the earth that he wants to be accomplished. And so, uh, we are praying for things we don't even know how to pray for. What if God was to use those prayers and we had somebody in another country that was in danger, physical danger, a Christian that needed someone to pray for them, but nobody knows it's happening. Nobody knows it's going on. But as we pray in the spirit, God can lead those prayers to pray for those that we don't even know how to pray for in our natural minds. It's powerful, man. Absolutely powerful. And, and, and I truly believe this. Christians need to spend more time praying in the Holy Ghost. Christians should spend more time praying in the Holy Ghost. Any powerful man of God I've ever been around throughout my whole life has been someone who is constantly praying in the Holy Spirit. Constantly. Constantly. Brother Hagin, many men, A.A. Allen, Brother Shambach, uh, praying in the Holy Ghost. When, uh, when my friend, Pastor Brian Wright, went over to... Um, went over to uh, Nigeria and he said, I asked the question that you always ask to the men of God. He said, we had a chance to sit down with Pastor Enoch Adeboye, who, who run, is the head of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. He's the general overseer. Uh, and we asked questions and he said, one of the questions I asked was, what should ministers do or what would you go back? He said, every minister, he said, every minister should pray for at least an hour in the spirit before he stands to preach in a pulpit. That's what Pastor Adeboye said. Every minister should pray for at least an hour, for at least an hour before they stand to minister in the pulpit. And we know Dr. Cho said much the same thing, that he would never stand to pray in his own church without praying a couple of hours, in uh, other countries without praying a few hours. But when, it, when he got to Europe uh, and, uh, and the United States of America, he'd pray three, four hours before speaking. And then in Japan, where he felt the, the biggest resistance of any nation, Japan, he said, I would not preach without praying for at least six hours. He'd spend six hours in prayer preparing himself for a nation that's never had a national revival where he felt heavy spiritual resistance. And so when we pray in the spirit, we're setting ourselves in position to do what God has called us to do. And there are many benefits on praying in the Holy Ghost. Let me move on because our time's running out. Um, number seven, kingdom prayer. Kingdom prayer. I want you to write that in the comments. Number seven is kingdom prayer. Number six, prayer in the spirit, but number seven, kingdom prayers, kingdom prayers. Um, let me give you an example. We put these, if you ever got our book, a, a, a complete guide to biblical fasting in this book, we include at the end prayer points that you can use in your devotional time. And I wanted to give you some examples of, um, what kingdom prayers sound like because people are like, what's a, what's a kingdom prayer? You know, like what, what is, what is that? What is that like? Well, a kingdom prayer, you know, many people are very, 
And it's not wrong to ask God for things for you or for your family or whatever. But one of the things God wants us to do is pray kingdom prayers. Pray for the kingdom at large. Pray for God's plan on the earth. Pray for the things that he wants to be accomplished. And so um, one of the things that we do is we pray those kingdom prayers. And I put some of those uh, in this book, Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting, so people could see it. And um, here's one that we began to uh, pray, um, which was prayer point number 30 in the book. Ask God to arise and cause all those against the church and the kingdom of God to be completely frustrated in their operations. Extremely frustrated and completely frustrated in their operations. And we base that on Psalm 68 and verse 1. Uh, Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Uh, we, we talk about those things. So whatever the, the devil had planned, and by the way, if you'd like to get a copy of these prayer points absolutely free, they're available in our mobile app. So if you don't have our mobile app, you can download it in your app store. There it is on the screen. If you just search Miracle Word, and inside the app, we have all of these prayer points available for you absolutely free if you go download it. So number 30, ask God to arise and cause all those against the church and the kingdom of God to be completely frustrated in their operation. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. And we start to pray, Lord, let this year be a year that you frustrate the plans of the enemy against your churches. Let this be a year that whatever the devil had set aside to do to the people of God and to the church at large, not only in America, but around the world, blow your breath from heaven and destroy every wicked plan and agenda of the evil one that was set to thwart the the plan of God on the earth, that was set to hold back the move of your spirit, to hold back the advancement of the church, to come against the people of God and other nations. We start to pray like that. Well, it it is a prayer for you in general because you're part of the body of Christ, but it's a prayer for the kingdom at large. And then we pray things like this. We'd say, Lord, I pray that in this year that you would divide the light from the darkness and expose any activity of the enemy in our churches, ministries, homes, and lives. That whatever it was that the devil has already been doing, you know, it's like I, I, we, I had a, a friend, a pastor, and that it came to light that there was somebody who was regularly stealing from him and from the church. And nobody knew about it, but it came to light that, uh, you know, God will make those things known, expose those plans of the enemy to destroy your church. And there was somebody that was supposed to be a volunteer that was helping the church and was sneaking in and getting a hold of, of money in the church and stealing it in a way that, you know, putting his hands on cash. So there was no way to trace that it was gone and stealing cash and stealing cash from the offerings and, and things like that. And, uh, they got a, they got a word in their spirit. And as they got that word, they installed cameras all through different places, uh, that they, they knew he was going. 
and caught it on camera and the suspicions were proved and they moved him out. Expose every enemy and expose every plan that's already at work in our churches, ministries, homes, and lives. And we're praying these things for the church at large. The church at large. And so we have these different prayers that we continue to pray. It's not just for my family. It's not just for my body. It's not for my business. It's also, we want to be praying for the church. We want to be praying for the kingdom. We want to be praying for the kingdom. Jesus uh, taught his disciples to pray. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a kingdom prayer. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're praying, not just for our personal needs, but we're praying that God would do in the earth what he wants to do. That whatever was trying to hold it back, whatever was trying to to thwart the presence and power of God would be moved out of the way, supernaturally. Kingdom prayers. And then, let me me say this. The the, uh, eighth type of prayer I want to deal with is the prayer of intercession. Very important. The prayer of intercession. That is when we're taking our time to stand in the gap and to pray for other people. We do a lot of this. Standing in the gap and praying for other people. Maybe you've got an unsaved spouse. Maybe you have an unsaved child or grandchild. Maybe you're believing for someone to be that, that's currently addicted to some substance and you're believing for their deliverance. Maybe, I mean, there's all kinds of, of ways. Maybe you're standing in the gap praying for somebody that you love, their healing, their total restoration. These are prayers of intercession. We're praying for other people, believing God that they would be changed by his power, by his word, believing God, standing in the gap. Standing in the gap. Truly, if you think about it, this was what the centurion was really doing as he came to Jesus. What he was giving to Jesus was a prayer of intercession. Oh Lord, would you heal my servant? The centurion didn't need healing. The centurion didn't need deliverance. This is Matthew chapter 8. He didn't need the breakthrough, but he was standing in the gap for somebody else. And he said, Lord, you're a man of authority. And he said, I want you to, I want you to heal my servant. He's ho- sick with palsy. He's at home. He needs a, a, a miracle. And Jesus said, I'll even come to your house. He said, you don't have to come to my house, but speak the word only and my servant will be made whole. That's a prayer of intercession. Not for me, Lord, but for the one I love. Touch the one I love, Lord. Break them out of addiction. Break them out of bondage. Save their soul. Lord, soften their heart. Let them hear the gospel. Bring them into the kingdom. Do what only you can do, Lord, by the power of your spirit. Standing in the gap. The prayer of intercession will change your life and their life as you stand and do it. Let me give you number nine. And I'm going to give you a bonus, number 10. Number nine is the prayer of agreement. We can also call this agreement. corporate prayer, the prayer of agreement, also known as corporate prayer. Uh, Let me show you this. 
in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 14, listen to what the Bible says. Acts 1, 14. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So as the church was being formed, they began to pray together all corporately. And then we know that continued because uh, the Bible says in Acts chapter 3, after the day of Pentecost, guess where they were, Peter and John were headed? Up to the temple at the hour of prayer. That means that uh, every day they would go into the temple for an hour of corporate prayer. Prayer together. We can call this uh, corporate prayer or the prayer of agreement. We're all coming together, joining our faith in prayer together, believing God for something as one. Many of your churches may have that. They may have prayer meetings. Maybe it's weekly. Maybe it's, you know, multiple times a week. Maybe it's uh, monthly, but they come together in the church. Our church does that where they come together in church and begin to pray together as the body of Christ. It's the prayer of agreement. It's the corporate prayer. And they see, they did it also throughout the whole new Testament that they would come up daily, daily and spend an hour in prayer together. The ninth hour, that's three o'clock in the afternoon. And so they would do that every single day. That carries power. That carries power. That when we join ourselves together in prayer, the Bible teaches that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. That our prayer and our faith is joined together to bring about the, uh, the, the end, end goal result that we're believing for. Finally, let me give you the bonus. Give you the bonus. Uh, the 10th type of prayer. And this is found in Philippians chapter four. And um, let's read verses four through six. Philippians chapter four, verses four through six. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So this is often referred to as the prayer of supplication. This is you asking God for the things that you're believing for, the things that you need, the things that you're setting your faith to see accomplished in your own personal life. This is what could be termed as the prayer of supplication making your requests known unto God. There is nothing wrong with that. Don't ever let somebody make you feel that you're greedy or that you're self-centered or selfish because you are asking God for something personally. This is a scriptural type of prayer, the prayer of supplication. And so uh, I want you to see this. He said, uh, make those requests known unto God. You know why that's so important? is because you've got to get specific in your prayer. You've got to get specific in what you want God to do. Faith is not vague. Faith is not vague. Faith is specific. If you're taking notes, put it in the comments. Faith is not vague. Faith is specific. 
Very important. Because one of the things that, that's why I don't believe in unspoken prayer requests. Because faith is not vague, it's specific. Because we have to base our prayer on the Word of God. But how would we know even what scriptures to use if we don't know what we're praying for? If we don't know what we're praying about? So faith is not vague, faith is specific. And we pray specific, faith-filled prayers based on the Word of God. If you need healing, it does no good to pull out scriptures on salvation and stand on those. You need scriptures on healing. That's why we've got to be specific and ask God specifically for the things we're believing for. Many times, it's like I, uh, I shared with you the story of Dr. Uh, David Youngie Cho, largest church in the world, a million members. And I shared that story from his book on prayer uh, as to how he was praying to God, but it was very general. He just said, Lord, I just, I'm asking you to give me a desk, a chair, and a bike. Those were the three things he asked for. Lord, give me a desk, a chair, and a bike. And when it wasn't coming to pass, he got frustrated. He said, Lord, how come I'm not seeing these things come to pass? And the Lord said, your prayers are too general. He said, you've never, you need to be specific. He said, do you want any old kind of desk? Do you want any old kind of chair? Do you want any old kind of bike? What do you specifically want? And he said, Lord, that's true. And he began to pray specifically for a mahogany desk. And then he began to pray for a chair, an office chair with wheels on the bottom. That's, that was his prayer. And he said, so I could roll around my office like a big shot. He wanted a, a, a chair with wheels on the bottom. And he said, for the bicycle, I want an American-made bicycle. And he was in Korea. I want an American-made bicycle. Well, after he began to pray like that, a, 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 a missionary came to him and said, we've had shipping crates come in, containers uh, from overseas. And he said, I think there's a few things down here, pastor, that you may want. He goes down, checks in the crate. He said, there sitting in the, in the delivery was a mahogany desk. There was an office chair with wheels on it. And there was a bicycle that was an American-made bicycle. And after he began to become specific with his prayer, God answered the prayer. There's nothing wrong with praying and asking the Lord for things that you desire, things that you need, the prayer of supplication. Be specific. Make your requests known unto God. I want to pray for you at the end of this broadcast. And I'm going to ask the Lord that before this half of the year even comes to an end, that your prayers would be quickly answered. That the things that you have set before the Lord would quickly come to pass. And that you'd see a supernatural turnaround in your family and in your life. Father, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus. And we are thankful for the anointing of heaven. We are thankful for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm praying for every person who's watching and those that are listening that are believing for these prayers to come to pass. Maybe they're believing for things for their ministries, their business, their families, their person, their physical bodies. Lord, I'm asking you to let this year of 2022 be a year of supernatural breakthrough. Turn around. It's our year of divine possession. We'll have what we've never have had. We'll go where we've never gone. We'll do what we've never done in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask you to speak today the direction some people are believing for. They don't know which way to go. 
They're, they're believing to have clarity for the future. I pray that you'd give them supernatural direction, Lord, by the power of your spirit. And let this be a year that they know exactly what to do. I pray, Lord, that people that are battling sickness, that this would be a year that quickly every sickness, every disease would run out of their body. That those that are on medication, that don't want to be on medication anymore, that you'll heal them to the place where even their physician will tell them, I have to take you off this medication. You don't even need it anymore. Let this be the year that breakthroughs come. Let this be the year that our homes are filled with joy, that, our, that the strife has left families, that the depression has lifted off, that the anxieties lifted off. Let this be a year that we can have household salvation, that every one of our children will serve the Lord. Our husbands and wives will serve the Lord. Let this be a year. And then, Lord, let this be a year that the kingdom of God on the earth advances violently in Jesus' name. Whatever the devil had planned to destroy us, I thank you, Lord, that it's quickly moving out of our way. Blow your breath from heaven and blow every wicked thing away from our churches and our homes and families and ministries. Let this be a year that the kingdom advances, that souls are saved and discipled. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, shout aloud, amen. Hallelujah. Let me encourage you to sow your seed today. This is uh, amazing how God's been moving. I'm getting testimonies that are coming in, financial testimonies. People that are getting jobs, people that are getting raises, people that are having debts canceled. It's amazing to me how quickly God is moving in the year of 2022. I've sat back and laughed with Carolyn because things are so quickly happening. And we're believing for things to open up even greater than we've ever seen here in our ministry. And I know you're, you're standing in the same place where you're believing that this will be a year of extreme increase for you and your family. Comes from seed sowing. Comes from obedience in your giving. And so I encourage people to pray because the Lord's gonna speak a word to you that's going to be very specific. He's gonna have you do something that will take faith to accomplish. And so today you can see on the screen, obviously you know how to give, um, miracleword.com, uh, forward slash give. You want to go directly there. All the ways to give are on the website and you can see that you can give by PayPal, cash app, Venmo, hashtag donate. But I want to encourage you very strongly today to partner with me and with Carolyn as we're moving through this year of divine possession. It's time to do something. Take a stand. Take a stand financially. Attach your finances to the kingdom of God and stand with this ministry in partnership. For those that are uh, sowing $85 a month, we're going to bless you this month with this book by Brother Kenneth Hagin. It's called I Believe in Visions. And uh, this is one of the most powerful books. I got it back in Bible school and uh, it'll build your faith and open your eyes. I love his stories, what the Lord has showed Brother Hagin throughout his life before he went to heaven. Those that are standing at the level of $250 or more this month, we're also including with that the Miracle of the Scarlet Thread, another powerful book that is very revelatory by Dr. Richard Booker. And then those that are sowing $1,000 this month, we're including not just those two books, but the Net Study Bible, Full Notes Edition with 60,000 translators' notes. And uh, that's our way of saying thank you. If you want to get any of those after you've sown your seed, thank you, Mimi, for sowing. Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer 
and, uh, and grab that, put your information in, and we'll be able to send it exactly where you need it sent. Also, don't forget that um, the brand new magazine's getting ready to ship. Uh, if you've not signed up yet to receive it, go to miracleword.com forward slash live. And this spring edition that's getting ready to drop, we'll send it to you absolutely free. It's an awesome one. Can't wait to get it into your hands. We're two weeks away, two weeks away from opening registration for Bible Study Made Simple. I want every one of you to be a part of it. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be the most applicable and awesome thing we've ever done in Miracle Word University. I wanna see you there. It's gonna be great. I love you. I'll be back again in the morning and all week this week, 10.30 a.m. live on the broadcast. Have a wonderful day. I love you. I'll see you very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.